0: 15 in the books, a miraculous, a fantastic one. The playoff picture is coming into shape, even though some of the big contenders that we expected might have their futures a little more clouded than we anticipated. And we kick things off with who many called the MVP and the best team in the league. Cowboys versus bills. And Hayden, I don't know if you can say that after this week, the Buffalo bills destroy the Dallas Cowboys 31 to 10. And it is in very different fashion than we're expecting from Buffalo. Just seven Josh Allen completions compared to 49 rushes for this Bills team. How'd this happen?
1: It was by far the most run-heavy game plan. Obviously, that's something we talked about with Joe Brady taking over play calling the last couple weeks, and they were super successful. And we're just seeing a little bit more of a balanced approach with Buffalo, and maybe that helps them out in the playoffs, which I do think they will be a playoff team the next two weeks very winnable against the Chargers and Patriots. I think there's a decent argument that the Bills might be the best AFC team in there. They're certainly right in the mix. Uh, Very scary team because Josh Allen could obviously get hot passing the ball, but this is a brand Mm. new thing with Buffalo being able to run the ball like they did. Obviously James Cook career highs and everything carries 25 of them, rushing yards, 179 rushing yards, over expected 74 of them. And most importantly to me, Success rate, 64% success rate. Wow. Uh, that was by far the best of the Josh Allen era. And really what it was is taking advantage of the matchup coming into this game, not even including this wild game. The Dallas Cowboys were 31st in rushing success rate allowed. They've been missing their linebackers. They're starting a linebacker. That's 205 pounds. He got pushed around a couple times. Then on top of that, James Cook uh, against a safety one-on-one runs a nice downfield route. You see a lot of these running backs kind of take their like option routes to the sideline Well, James Cook just ran right by the defender. So another explosive game with the running back as well. So completely dominant performance. I think this means more to the Bills. We know the Cowboys are good. They are really bad on the road right now. Dak Prescott was under pressure. Obviously, Zach Martin, he leaves with a thigh injury that played into it. But to me, even more so than the Cowboys... Completely shit in the bed. To me, this was a game, a reminder game that this Bills team is very serious, even though they've lost a couple weird games earlier in the season.
2: You said it was intentional, and that's completely true, since they're the only offense that ran the ball on over 60 percent of their offensive plays today. It's funny because this is the time of the year whenever the Cowboys defense was exposed last year in Lambeau on Sunday Night Football as the Packers said, okay, to avoid Michael Parsons in the pass rush, we will just attack you up the middle. And that's also why they spent a first-round pick on Mozzie Smith, quite literally yep. the most athletic defensive tackle in the entire class. But he's not a full-time player. He's barely getting on the field. So they thought they had the answer, but if they're getting exposed at this time of the year again, it's just the worst thing possible right now.
0: Yeah, he's getting fewer snaps because he is getting exposed in a way like he is not being able to hold an anchor despite being 320 something pounds and it's on that learning curve for defensive tackles at this moment um bill's beat writer elena getzenberg the bill's 26 rushes in the first half were their most in any half since week 12 of 1996 season (laughs) i mean 1996 was a different era of football it was you, was? <laughs> unreal. <laughs> I mean, was that thurman thomas running that i mean yeah. just insane stuff i don't want to make it as simple as this but like joe brady coming in here and accentuating and highlighting the running back room has just propelled this team into yeah. leaps and bounds i mean what they were what six and six they were worse mm-hmm. off than that and then back-to-back weeks it's the Chiefs, it's the Cowboys, wins against them. Prior to that was the Jets and that narrow loss the Philadelphia Eagles. It's making us feel a bit validated that despite it's been a roller coaster of a season for the Buffalo Bills, believing that you know EPA and a top three team in terms of talent, that they're going to ride into the playoffs with this. Now it's just a question of how far can they go?
1: I think they can go all the way to the Super Bowl. I think they're definitely in the mix. Uh, Obviously, they're going to have to win some games potentially on the road in here. There was one other little switch-up, though, talking about this run-heavy game plan. Obviously, looking at the tight ends, there's one that can block, Dawson Knox, and one, Dalton Kincaid, that can't. Dalton Kincaid was not a full-time player in this game. Mm -hmm. You obviously would rather have Dawson Knox if you knew you were going to have this super run-heavy game plan. If you knew that was working, you would keep riding with it, but... Dalton Kincaid obviously completely goose egged here. He had a drop. He was wearing rain gloves, which Tony Romo explained they're leather on leather football. But if, if the gloves aren't wet, then it's a really tough surface. So he changed gloves after dropping the ball. Breaking either mistake. way, yes, <laughs> either way, he was not going to be targeted often and he wasn't on the field as much as he was. There were a couple of plays at the goal line where Dalton Kincaid and Steph Diggs were not even on the field. They knew that this was going to be completely run focused. So Dalton Kincaid back with Dawson Knox. I don't think that we can trust him as a tight end one going into the playoffs if he happened to make it, even though he was riding uh, pretty hot without Knox uh, for the last two, two
0: months. Hey, now I have to ask you about the Cowboys end of this, because maybe this to me is more puzzling than the streak that the Buffalo Bills are on. Look, we've asked questions about this Cowboys team after, you know, early season losses to the 49ers and to the Eagles. Both of those are on the road. They answered the Eagles question at home, being them just last week, 33 to 13. And here you just fall completely flat with even their touchdown being in garbage time. I mean, I'm reading Dak Prescott, 21 to 34, 134 yards, one interception, just 20 carries, 89 total yards. This was a offense that no one could stop no matter what. How, how did the bill stop them? So
1: looking at the deep targets, he had five incompletions, one interception, and one completion. They also lost the penalty battle. There's a couple of really brutal penalties, and then the pressure started coming in. They lose Zach Martin for this game, and Dak Prescott, I think, simply said, he just had a really bad game. So I think all those things were happening, all the the deep sh- shots, like there was one early in the game to Brandon Cooks, it complete. They weren't getting anything very explosive. The penalties were a problem. And then the Buffalo Bills just had a really good game plan. So I'm curious to see what they're going to look like on all 22. But Dak Prescott did feel flustered in this one. Lots of checkdowns. Uh, but also you see lots of checkdowns once you're losing by three, four touchdowns, which they were quite early. But yeah, Dak Prescott was not in control of this game Whatsoever, C.D. Lamb did at least garbage time his way with a touchdown. He took a big hit late in the game. By the way, Dak Prescott was in there for the entire game, even though the scoreboard was kind of ridiculous. Uh, Jake Ferguson, he was peppered uh, while trailing late in the game, so he somewhat saved his box score. But, yeah, this was just a really bad game going down the field for Dak Prescott. The interception was kind of whatever. That was a, a little bit of a high pass on a fourth and five. But really, early on this game, very few first downs, and then the penalties were just
0: making just uh the drives completely end.
2: Not a single explosive play today for Dallas, which wow. sums
0: up huge their performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, huge difference. Okay. I am not the best at playoff permutations on the fly, but if I can try to stretch my brain, the Cowboys were almost certainly favorites for the number one overall seed in the NFC if they had one out. You know, that was against. Next week, the Dolphins on the road, mm-hmm. the Lions at home, and the Commanders on the road. We have no idea what happens, especially with Jalen Hurts' situation on Monday Night Football. But now they're even second in the NFC East if the Eagles win out. I mean, that is such a huge change from potentially having a bye to maybe not even winning your division.
1: Real quick for Dallas, I believe they're 3-4 and four on the road, 7-0 no at home. So if they are going to have to go uh, on the road, that's really key. And going back to the linebackers and them getting absolutely gashed, you don't want to play the 49ers when you are maybe the worst run defense when it comes to success rate. That is why they keep getting their ass kicked against that team. So not a good situation. And also, like, you don't want to play the Eagles. on. I know they just beat the Eagles by a ton, but you don't want to go into Philadelphia with this run defense either.
2: And they did clinch a spot with the Falcons losing today. But if they are looking at a lower seed, the road woes certainly come into play, and it's concerning.
0: Buccaneers versus Packers. Just your normal second round of the playoffs, four-touchdown, 381-yard performance from Baker Mayfield. I mean, 22 of 28 on top of Rashad White having 21 carries, 89 yards, another two catches for 50 yards and one touchdown. Daigle, it felt like the early part of the season, the storyline about the start that Baker Mayfield had with new offensive coordinator Dave Canales through the first two or three weeks, one when, when of the best versus pressure, one of the best um, on third downs was one of the stories of, of the NFL. Now it kind of drifted away, and now we get it back for this team at 7-7 seven and seven, and potentially playing their best football with a 34-20 win over the Packers here.
2: Mayfield didn't bring him back on that last drive last week, but it still felt like we had left a lot on the table with his performances the past two games. This one, though, a complete ass-kicking that could have gotten out of hand even further if he hadn't fumbled at his own four at one point and set up a first-quarter touchdown for the Packers instead. But overall for this game, the Bucs converted 73% of their third downs. They recorded 13 passes that gained 15-plus yards, and Baker on throws 10 yards downfield went 10 of 12 for two hundred and two and two touchdowns. Just carved the Packers' secondary apart from a clean pocket throughout the entire day. And that was really the story. Chris Godwin now also. I understand it's too late when you drafted him because you're probably out of your playoffs if you had, but the last two weeks, 37.9% and 44.4% target share today is season high 25 fantasy points. The first time he's eclipsed 20 points in any game all season long. And that's really what it was. And after the game, LaFleur was even asked about replacing defensive coordinator Joe Barry mid-year, but did try to shy away from it saying now's not the time for that to be honest with you so he's already averting questions right now which it seems like an annual thing we do is try to well, replace the packers dc seriously
0: well i mean i many fans and i guess i'm maybe looking at like aaron nagler and justin mosqueda yeah. and all these guys uh we calling for joe barry's head prior to the season and i think for good reason now there have been stretches of the season where joe barry's defense had been working not in this case i mean we pointed out reeves pointed out in the worksheet when you play cover three at this high of a rate you're going to get torched by this offense and you know mike evans had an early touchdown four catches for 57 yards and once again the wife to social media thread continues here this week chris godwin 12 targets 10 receptions 155 yards she should have gone on twitter you know back in week four
1: it would have helped i'm looking at baker mayfield just 98th percentile epa so the the wife narrative is rocking
0: his epa was equal to Patrick Mahomes MVP caliber season today against the Packers. What
2: makes it fun, too, is that I know DeMar Hamlin is the favorite by a mile uh, just for what happened last year. But comeback player of the year is somewhat wide open. So if Baker gets hot over this last month. It is actually there for the taking if he plays that well. And we are now
1: looking at the Bucks if they can just hold on. They are in the driver's seat for the NFC South. And this is the team that has the most fight, in my opinion. Now they have some issues on defense right now. Devin oh, yeah. White got benched and then he told them that he was he couldn't play after that. Uh they were missing Carlton Davis. Uh that makes the this whole Packers offensive showing Pretty pretty odd as well, but this Bucks offense at least has firepower day on the field with Mike Evans, and then if they get this version of Chris Godwin, that's that's a really solid one-two punch for Baker, who's playing very aggressive football.
0: Yeah, to your point on Devin White, who during their Super Bowl run with Tom Brady, obviously he and Levante David were major parts of this. I've always been Team Levante in that dynamic, but yeah, they, Devin White was basically told he was going to be benched for KJ Brett and then said, oh, I'm not going to play after missing a few weeks. Um, I feel like every time we talk about the Bucks hand up, this was the team I was most wrong about heading into the season. Um, I probably should have studied Dave Canales a little bit more. But on top of that, I did not expect this type of play from Baker Mayfield. Just again, he was sacked five times still in this game, which he wasn't doing earlier in the year and was still extremely productive. That is incredible stuff. Now on the flip side here, because we love to fall in love with storylines. Many of us had fallen in love with this Jordan Love resurgence, John Daigle, during a span when they had won four of their past five games. Now, in the last two, lost the Giants and now lost the Buccaneers. On the day, Jordan Love, 29 of 39, 284, two touchdowns. Is this loss on him?
2: An up and down game yet again for Love on a short week. I was aware that that month stretch where he was tearing it up it was against four soft defenses in a row but also that's what the buck secondary is so he had shown already this year that he could elevate the offense in good matchups and so the fact that they came away practically empty-handed in this one again had Baker not had that turnover, it would have been a runaway for Tampa Bay was certainly concerning. We have seen though, Jaden Reed stand out with that Christian Watson since we're unclear when we're going to get him back. Reed now with a 23% target share in games that Watson has missed. Not only that, but no way to Dylan today, Aaron Jones returned as well. And although he practically split snaps, and routes with Patrick Taylor, Jones still handled a season high. 87% of the team's running back carries today. Wow. So without Dylan, it was actually good usage. So
0: and he then, really was healthy. I mean, I, mm-hmm. that yes. was a big question for me because we had seen AJ Dillon win healthy, be a focal point of this team just in general, not just the running game. But I had some hesitation, obviously, playing him in the spot. I know it only finished 13 carries, 53 yards, four catches for 16, but at least he entered it healthy and exited it healthy. Can you talk to me about like the Jaden Reed, Dontavian Wicks, Romeo Dobbs combo here too?
2: Again, no Christian Watson. So pretty much the rotation they've been playing and Wicks has been a good player, but he hasn't really been fantasy relevant. Not someone we can actually flex, but today I absolutely popped for those 97 receiving yards and did look good. The issue with Romeo Dobbs is that he's really been getting by on securing the ball inside the ten. That's kind of how he's made all of his fantasy points this year. And when that doesn't go away, how are you producing? But I think that's what's going on is that, Wicks is just a better player between the twenties also shining in yards per outrun as well. So proving that he's going to be a probably serviceable player for years to come. And so I think ideally their best package is the Reed Wicks, Christian Watson combo with Dobbs, then taking over like in the red zone area. But overall, yes, everyone involved again today. It's just that Jordan love didn't have a ceiling performance. So we only got Reed and Tucker craft who even these last two games with Josiah Deguara back is still running around on over 90% of their dropbacks. He's literally just Luke Musgrave uh, plopped into Musgrave's spot.
1: We have to wait for Jaden Reed update. He had a little bit of a toe injury, so that might might be why his snaps were down at the end of that. But he did have a really cool play to get his toes in on mm-hmm. that touchdown. So that was a good play by, by Jordan Love here. It's like really weird to look at this game because Jordan Love's stats just in general, only took two sacks, two touchdowns, no turnovers had 284 passing yards and this game wasn't all that close. So I can't wait to rewatch this one, but I I did see that Jaden Reed touchdown was pretty cool.
0: Texans versus Titans. No CJ Stroud, no Nico Collins, no tank Dell, no Will Anderson down 13, nothing at halftime after Will Levis was throwing strikes downfield with clean pockets and case Keenum throwing a pick six We talked about it heading into this one. A win gave the D'Amico Ryan's Houston Texans a 76% ish chance to make the playoffs a loss all the way down to like 26%. We saw a second half reset from this team and maybe why D'Amico Ryan should be coach of the year. And in the end, in overtime, a 19 to 16 victory for the Houston Texans, um, I mean, again, that second half reset, it opens with a will Levis interception. Again, he threw some strikes in the first half and it was the best protection that he probably had all season long. And I think those things go hand in hand at times for rookie quarterbacks. And this interception though was just awful. Um, no reason to try to fire it to Deandre Hopkins, especially when Traylon Burks was making a huge, uh, wide open space down the field. That could have been potentially a touchdown. Um, it's a slew of field goals after that to bring it to 16 to nine. Then Noah Brown has a touchdown on third and goal. It was a third down conversion case kingdom drifted, right? Pass rush converged. He threw it up defensive back. Close Dalton Schultz caught it. And then a couple plays later, Noah Brown in the end zone by himself. Um, there's three minutes to go. Both teams had the ball. Nuke has the seam. Derek Stingley, like the only young stud for this Texans team that is full of them. Works over top, knocks it away. Another third and six shot. Mill the field ball on new Hopkins back shoulder. He kind of alligators arms it and lets it hit the turf. Final two minutes. Case Keenum will Levis have exchanging turnover worthy throws, but in the end it's an overtime. Um, Will Levis sacked hurts his left leg. I think he was sacked six times in the second half. Felt like it was much of the same. And case Keenum on first down finds this huge chunk gain to Devin Singletary who. Potentially scores on a run just later called back due to the whole thing. But timey Fairbairn, as the clock runs out in overtime, hits a 54, 54 yard field goal to win it. And just so much fight in this Houston Texans team, which has been so much fun to watch this season and has won in a whole bunch of different ways. Eight and six now on the year.
2: Everyone was curious who would step up in place of Nico and take Dell. And my pick was Noah Brown. If only because we saw two top six performances for fantasy earlier this year for him. And I understand he was coming off two eggs and back-to-back games, but he was out there. And in this one did pop from Keenum a 32.3% target share. As you said, uh, looked the best I imagine among the Texans receivers
0: too. Yeah. I mean, he, I think he had five for 56 in like the first half or the first quarter, I should say. Mm. Um, I know last week against the Jets outside corners, it was rough. Uh, it's a pretty big difference when you're facing the Jets <laughs> outside corners versus the Tennessee Titans yeah. outside corners. I will say, I mean, Case Keenum, it was rough stuff in yeah. the first half, you know? And I know that Jeffrey Simmons and obviously Tyre Tart, who's like no longer on the team, were missing in this game. You still had Danico Autry, you still had Arden Key, and those, and Laramie Tuns was kind of in and out on the lineup a little bit. Um, but then the second half, he like focused it up became that veteran quarterback and Devin Singletary was massive today. I mean, how this backfield has kind of evolved as the season went along where it opened with Damien Pierce. And now we get to a point where Damien Pierce has one carry for three yards. Comparatively, Devin Singletary has 26 carries for 121 yards, four receptions for 49 yards. He was making cuts at the second level, reeling off some chunk gains of, you know, 19 and 41 yards, just great stuff on that end for him.
1: The Texans get, Joe Flacco next week at home and then the Titans again the week after that and then the Colts so it's three teams with backup quarterbacks typically we miss one game with a concussion so hopefully CJ Stroud is back for that one same thing with Nico Collins he missed one game the first time he had that calf injury so them getting a win here is huge for their playoff odds here I I did want to bring up real quick though. The Titans are just not very good, you know. Like, who are they, like their best players like on this roster? I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is missing right here. Uh, T. R. Tart, he was really good at one point. Same thing with Denico Autry. These guys aren't the uh, the same guys that they were three years ago. The the Titans in the trenches are not very good. They're now starting a six rounder at tackle who gave up eight pressures according to PFF yeah. at this start. In the last couple games, five pressures, nine pressures. In that one, and if Will Levis doesn't have the same exact exact uh, athleticism because of this new knee or ankle injury going into next week, I'm going to be very concerned. The Titans, when they were really going, dominated the trenches. I no longer can say that this Titans team is very good in the trenches.
2: They... Tried to, though. Uh, they kept on running Derrick Henry, man. They <laughs> they did everything they could to get the ball going, but every time you looked up, he was just getting slowly closer to positive yardage, not breaking anything, as the Titans even finished today with the league-low 1.4 yards per carry on first and second down.
0: One of my favorite best ball theories this offseason was that you have to take Derek Henry because in two of the final three weeks, he faces the Houston Texans defense, a defense that he continuously puts 200 yards up against in this game, 16 carries for nine yards, four catches for one total yard, mm. just, and that was without, you know, will Anderson is one of the best run stuffing DNs across the league. They were fantastic. Malik Collins showed up. Jonathan Grenard was awesome Mm -hmm. in this game too. So, I mean, for a, to me, that is the epitome of coaching, right? We always say it about the Texans. You come in, you instill a character, you change the way it had been. It felt like for the last five years against one opponent and you flip it on its head and you shut down the opposition's running game. And because of that, Hayden, like, look, this passing chart for Will Levis is just like the perfect example. It's just, let's fire it deep. From clean pockets, it's going to come up big, and sometimes it's not. His pass catchers, like Chris Moore, had an awesome rainy-moss-style catch. Nick Westbrook-Akina on a really headsy-broken play by Will Levis also came up with a catch that got them down to the one-yard line. Early on, it was play-action, middle of the field, clean pockets to Traylon Burks. He had his best game of the season, it felt like. But again, in the end, it wasn't enough. And if I can take you from that passing chart to Case Keenum's, who – Talk about coaching, Bobby Slowick. Let's force Case Keenum to throw the middle of the field too. You know, all our guys attack the middle of the field because that's where it works.
1: I can see Josh Norris and Case Keenum having a scheme collaboration <laughs> in about five years.
0: <laughs> um, this is great, and I'm, I'm I'm with you. We want this Texans team to be in the playoffs. They are frisky. They are feisty. We've said it since week two, and just being able to, again, in the final two quarters when you were down thirteen nothing to reset. Uh, To me, that speaks volumes about a young team and not even just this season, but like where they can go in, in future seasons. That's for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: The holidays are right around the corner and what better way to please your family and the crowd than with HelloFresh's 15 minute meals. With HelloFresh, you can skip that trip to the grocery store and still turn around anything from photo worthy charcuterie boards to mouthwatering desserts with pre-portioned ingredients that travel straight from the farm to your door. I've enjoyed avoiding that hassle with HelloFresh because all you have to do is pick your favorite meals, decide on a delivery date that works, sit back, and allow the food to come to you. And right now, HelloFresh is offering free breakfast for life. That's right, free breakfast for life. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash MostAccurateFree and use the code MostAccurateFree to receive one breakfast item per box while your subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash free using the code MOSTACCURATEFREE. It's another reason why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit.
0: Jets versus Dolphins. No Tyreek Hill. No problem. I mean, Vegas moves the line. And in the end, the Miami Dolphins put a 30 burger, 30 to nothing. On the New York Jets and their outstanding defense that did a fantastic job against this aforementioned Houston Texans offense. Tua twenty-one to twenty-four, two twenty-four, one touchdown. Jalen Waddle eight one forty-two and one, and Raheem Mostert scores his twentieth touchdown of the season.
1: It was a more balanced approach in this one. Uh, the Dolphins had twenty-two new first downs. They started it with a run. On 18 of the 22, obviously the scoreboard is going to play a part of that. It was a lot of the running backs. Raheem Mostert, he I know he had the two touchdowns. It felt like he was going to score a third and a fourth throughout the entire game. They were very close with that. Devon Achane was out there. He was uh, questionable going into this game. The same old stuff with Achane. We're running sideline to sideline. Lots of trickery going on. Could not bust over a long play though. The long play, of course, goes to Jalen Waddle. There was a couple screen plays early on to get him going. Obviously, his targets are going to go way up without Tyree kill but the play of the game was Tua looking off the, the safety, a little bit of a double move near the sideline for a very long 60-yard touchdown to Jalen Waddle. Very accurate performance from Tua. I thought he was very composed. The Jets defense didn't have a lot going because the offense was just so damn anemic. So Jalen Waddle, he had a cool, you know, uh four or six point six yards per route run in this one. Uh it was Ricky Moser early in the game. He was the, the red zone back on top of that. So a very, very narrow target tree. I think the player of the game, though, is Bradley Chubb. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins defensive player of the week. He had three sacks. He was all over the place. Uh TFL's the whole thing got the party started. So they made a big trade for Bradley Chubb last year without Jalen Phillips. If this team's gonna be very serious. In the playoffs, they need their superstars on defense to act like that. Jalen Ramsey, he shadowed Garrett Wilson for a large majority of the game after the game. uh, He said that's because Xavier Howard was not playing, that they wanted their best corner to be on Garrett Wilson for most of the game. Obviously, Jalen Ramsey is going to win that battle based off of the quarterback play with the Jets. So superstar stepped up, Jalen Waddle, Bradley Chubb, Tua, and the rest was history.
2: The Jets officially eliminated from playoff contention with this loss today, too. So we'll see how Aaron Rodgers gets attention next week instead.
0: Hey, and there's a few things to hit on. First, I just want to again spotlight Raheem Mostert. His 19th and 20th touchdowns. He now has more touchdowns this season than he did combined for the other years of his career. Amazing. That's and again, he has 20 touchdowns on the season, according to Reeb's the worksheet. The only other, I believe, running back 31-plus to have this many touchdowns was John Riggins in 1983 Mm -hmm. with 24 touchdowns, and Raheem Mostert might break that. Um, We had a ton of questions about Devon H. and Hayden. What was – I know, like, look, there was never game script in this game, but what was the combo of the two here?
1: It was Raheem early, Raheem at the goal line, and then the same – sweeps, motion, the whole thing. It looked the exact same with Devon Achan, except he didn't have a 60-yard touchdown to come with it. Um, There was one other big thing that happened in this game. The, the, I mean, the Jets just really couldn't move the ball at all. Before Zach Wilson left with a concussion, he had bottom first percentile EPA. The offense was a complete mess. That offensive line was getting absolutely crushed. There was nowhere for Brees Hall, or Garrett Wilson to go. And then Trevor Simeon comes in there
0: and looks. I mean, six sacks for the jets here. There is no way that Aaron Rodgers comes back this week no. and, and plays behind yeah. this offensive line. Like no there, there's no chance of it. No chance. Even the reports of the Zach Wilson stuff of he goes for dehydration, then it's a head injury and it's not a concussion according to the PR. But then the PR says it is a concussion afterwards, just weirdness going around. I mean, I, Again, I think they haven't made the playoffs for eight straight seasons now, the Jets. I think
1: I think it's thirteen. It's like thirteen. Twenty since twenty ten. I think it's the only team in American sports, including <laughs> NHL and all that, to not make so the
0: it just makes you it just makes you wonder what like next season is is going to be like. I feel like they made it with the Ryan Fitzpatrick days, did they not? that was less than 13 years
1: ago it was it was something since 2010 and the only american franchise <laughs> i forget if it's the playoffs winning record or whatever it was but i know the jets are eliminated aaron rodgers is not coming back i don't know who's quarterbacking but i i would imagine that this team with a lot of superstars will get very irritated um, okay
0: well the dolphins they have the cowboys the ravens and the bills to close out their season again we've talked about it with the cowboys this year can they beat the best teams They did it last week against the Eagles. They did not do it today against the Bills. We have said the same thing, especially on the road for the Miami Dolphins. Next week, it's home against the Cowboys, on the road against Baltimore, and then at home against the Buffalo Bills. So to me, that's going to tell a lot of who this team is once we get to the playoffs. But boy, they are so much fun to watch. Bears versus Browns. Daigle, a big comeback from elite Joe Flacco to Amari Cooper for a 51-yard Touchdown in the end, Flacco, 28 to 44, 374. Is that like three straight through injured yard game? It might be two touchdowns, three interceptions as the Cleveland Browns. Yes, the Cleveland Browns improved to nine and five on the season dropping Justin Fields and this Bears team to five and nine
2: I was excited to see this one too because like a lot of backups that come in and look good you then have to analyze the schedule and to date Joe Flacco had played the Rams and the Jaguars two teams that struggle in the secondary and can't really rush the passer but the Bears are no joke literally stuffing the run at the league's best rate literally since Jalen Johnson came back in week six they're allowing the fewest yards per attempt to opposing quarterbacks through the air as well so I was curious to see how Joe Flacco fared in this one. And in the first half, it was not good, including a very sloppy interception that the Bears ran back into their own red zone, which gave them a short field to finish the first half 7-7. And the Chicago's offense, although Justin Fields played really well, honestly, left enough big plays on the field to allow Cleveland to continue to hang around Robert Tunyon even dropped what would have been a roughly 50 yard touchdown pass wide open that fields is basically bicycling backwards throws from his back foot over the top of the secondary and Tunyon just literally coughs it up it was such a big play but eventually because they get a pick six from Flacco in the third quarter they build a 10 point lead and I'm thinking it's over but the issue is although they left a few plays on the field in the first half the Bears offense Collapsed entirely in the second half. Three yards per play, six first downs. Absolutely nothing happening for them. And because of that, then the Browns are just hanging around. And so Flacco comes out in the fourth quarter and leads Cleveland to 13 points. And he goes 11 of 13 for 212 yards and including a 61 yard touchdown to Amari Cooper in the fourth quarter alone. It's not over yet, though, because even then, after Flacco brings them back for the game-winning field goal. The Bears have one more shot, and so they go for a 50-yard Hail Mary, and the ball gets bobbled around eventually, and it lands in the lap of Darnell Mooney, who's sitting down on the ground like waiting for this opportunity. I'm not kidding. It lands in his lap, but when he's falling backwards, he accidentally kicks it out of his own hands, and thus the Bears lose by three points, even though it was quite literally the most catchable Hail Mary of all time.
1: I mean, the first Hail Mary that was charged to Justin Fields shouldn't even have counted. So I hope people didn't lose their fantasy matchup because of Um, that one. Yeah, the interception. And then that one at the end easily could have been a touchdown. But even without those two ones, Justin Fields kept throwing the ball downfield and none of them were getting caught. And that's just been the Browns defensive MO is we're going to let you try to throw the ball down the sideline. Those are prayer yards to us. And let's see if you can actually convert them. And obviously the touchdown drop from Tanya and really swung things. The interceptions on this Hail Mary's really swung things, but no consistency uh, from the bears offense versus a Browns defense that even though they had miles Garrett and Denzel Ward, a lot of their other starters were banged up and uh, yep. bring this one. So it was good to see the Browns uh, hang in there. Uh, despite a
2: bunch of injuries, Joel, okay. Joel Batonio Batonio also banged up in the first quarter in this game. Wow. As the Browns just like keep on stacking injuries in their trenches.
0: Three games for Joe Flacco. <laughs> 44, 45 and 44 attempts. Sorry, it's three straight games of over 250 passing yards. Now he has seven touchdowns in comparison to five interceptions. Um, I can just see, I can just see all of the screens and play action and manufactured stuff that Kevin Stefanski is drawing up right here for David Njoku to win after the catch. I love it, man. I mean, the stats that we are getting here because of it, Amari Cooper, four for 109-1. David and Joku 10 for one Oh four and one, obviously the rushing game does zilch here, Mm -hmm. but this passing game is the most alive. It has been all season long. That includes Deshaun Watson. Now it certainly helps when you're able to throw for 44 plus times each and every game, but there's some level of trust there that I don't know if other quarterbacks in this team have earned so far. Let's put it that way.
2: Even the tough matchups, if you have a live arm and you're getting the volume, you can get there and you can help your team. And honestly, Joe Flacco is literally what a top 16 quarterback in the league. And that's not a good thing that the league is at that position. But now I I, I don't want to take
0: it too far because he did throw an awful pick six to Jermaine Edmonds and it wasn't a perfect day. That's for sure. I mean, three interceptions is rough, but like you're saying, they unleashing the football to a degree that we aren't seeing across the league right now. Mm -hmm. And that's very different than what this Browns team has been in previous Stefanski eras, and earlier this season with Stefanski. Even in the
2: fourth quarter, when he was stacking those yards, uh, 65 yards and two throws went to Njoku, in particular, on the last drive to put them in field goal position to win the game. So also, when it counts the most, unlike a lot of quarterbacks, Flacco is stepping up to the plate.
1: Before this game, they were third in neutral pass rate. I just ran the numbers for this week. They were first.
0: Yeah. Quickly talk to me about the Bears backfield, because once again, we get it changed up on us. Daigle. We'll talk about in stats versus film, but like last week, Deontay Foreman owned it. That equaled six carries for negative six yards today. Obviously it's very difficult to do anything against this Browns defense, but Roshan pops up for 536, Khalil Herbert six for eight. And then obviously Roshan gets four catches for 24 yards.
2: He owned it last week, but the issue is that all three are still involved. And honestly, as long as all three are involved in this offense, that means no one gets there. So today, Roshan Johnson, technically the lead since he led them in snaps. But again, that is 37 snaps to Foreman's 18 and Khalil Herbert's 17. You just can't get in anyone here in this offense.
0: 49ers versus Cardinals. Just a cool 45 points put up by Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, and company. I will say, while the score might indicate 45-29, to once again, the Arizona Cardinals were quite frisky in this game, and they play hard under Jonathan Gannon. It opens, actually, with a touchdown drive by them. Trey McBride with a long catch, 38 yards on the first drive. He left for a bit in this game with a shoulder issue, went to the locker room, still came back and still caught 10 for oh, 102, I just mean, total a dog. total dog. Holy I mean, he God. had another unbelievable catch along the sideline that it was on a third or a fourth down that was thrown way away from his body. He goes up and nearly grabs it with one hand, then still gets a first down. Just an unbelievable football player. The first drive-ins, though, with James Conner, a one-yard touchdown run, and really because the San Francisco 49ers, and I wish I dove into this a little bit more prior to the game, they were missing both Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave both their starting defensive tackles and so it's very clear that drew petzing the cardinals play caller said okay this is how we're going to attack this team because the 49ers prior to this contest were averaging about 75 rushing yards given up per game to opposing backfields today 30 carries by the cardinals for 234 yards and two touchdowns there was like an entire half where kyler murray basically didn't complete a pass Mm -hmm. to a wide receiver it was all runs up the middle and tight end stuff over the middle and then when they were going to widen things out it was to Rondale Moore or whoever else kind of in the flats or behind the line of scrimmage uh in the end that's not enough obviously because your defense has to shut down the San Francisco 49ers and that's just not possible especially when Brock Purdy throws four freaking touchdowns on just 16 completions Uh, yeah
1: I mean it the MVP (laughs) odds are very much in his favor at this point they're going to walk uh to the first seed and I think they're going to probably walk straight into the Super Bowl this this team is it's a menace
0: and (laughs) I know, and public service announcement, do not let NFL awards tilt you, okay? Yeah, for sure. If you you don't think that Brock Purdy deserves MVP, great. If you think he does, great. To me, I've never gotten much into awards other than trying to, you know, wager money in them and win money off of them. But it doesn't, like, impact my feelings, right? I feel like there's a lot of feelings attached to the MVP. I will say... There were a couple plays today where Brock Purdy made some things happen that this isn't just a pitch and catch and let other people go and do things. There's an awesome third down conversion um, that was just an absolute dot to the far hash from from the far hash. I should say to Brennan, yuk obviously on the 41 yard Christian McCaffrey touchdown. He looks like he's wide open, but Jake Brindle, the center, gives up instant disruption. Brock Purdy has to evade that then obviously hits Christian McCaffrey for a long score. Wide open. No, wide (laughs) open. But at the same time, you have to avoid just a clean rusher in your face. And then prior to that, there was a third and 11 conversion that he hit to George Kittle. So, yes, we can say it's an awesome supporting cast. I'll also say this is maybe since Matt Ryan, the best version and efficient offense that we've seen under Kyle Shanahan. Matt Ryan won MVP that season with Julio Jones and company as his offense it would make sense for rock Purdy to do the exact same thing.
2: It doesn't hurt that the other people players are arguing for Tyree kill today, his team without him shut out the jets and scores 30 points with ease. Dak Prescott goes into Buffalo and looks awful against that defense. So everyone else just making the case for Purdy while he continues to do what he does every week.
1: Do you think Christian McCaffrey is going to get in the mix? I mean, we're talking about 2000 yards, 20 touchdowns and counting, uh, Running backs with one seeds with those numbers typically are in the mix, too. I I,
2: I know where you're coming from, but it's just a quarterback award. Uh, that's why most likely McCaffrey probably gets offensive player of the year unless Tyreek returns and continues
0: to scorch the earth soon. Mm-hmm. CMC, seven touchdowns scored against the Arizona Cardinals this season. Not Amazing. Bad. Bad. <laughs> uh, another great Brock Purdy throw was that final one to Debo Samuel back shoulder uh, inside the pylon. Great one. I know that Brené, it's one of those frustrating ones. Brené made some plays, just not enough to go around when you score 45 points on 25 attempts. Um, three for 37 here. That includes, by the way, a Traverius Ward pick six on Kyler Murray. Go ahead.
2: As our friend J.J. Zacharison also pointed out, Debo Samuel, the last three games, 20 touches, seven touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, the dog levels are off, like, off the charts. If you're, if you're not expecting that, like I
1: had... Debo as my wide receiver four or five after the injuries today, like make an adjustment. Don't even look at the models. Debo scoring damn touchdowns. Yep. I'll worry about the rest later. Uh, Josh, real quick on uh, Marquise Brown left again. I mean, yeah. what can we just like let the man rest?
0: You know, he was running routes too. We'll, we'll probably see it, you know, with his participation, he was out there. You could see like his yellow shoes or whatever. It's just, it's not working and yep. he's injured. He just needs to sit out the rest of the way. But the issue is, you're trotting out Elijah Higgins, Greg Dortch, mm-hmm. Rondell Moore, Zach Pascal, and Michael Wilson as the other guys. And some of those guys just uh, offered on seven targets.
1: Yep. I'm very close to ranking Trey McBride as the tight end one uh, next week. I mean,
0: everyone knows where the ball's going. And it's one of those tight ends that it, it simply doesn't matter. Like okay. the young wave of tight ends, we've talked about this, it's hitting at the perfect time because we have aging ones. And the great Travis Kelsey. We'll even throw Mark Andrews in there, Darren Waller. They served us very well for years. And now, this new young guys might, there's multiple of them. It's like, it feels like they've doubled, you know? Um, I do want to add both these quarterbacks left for a period of time. Um, on one of the plays where Brock Purdy escaped, evaded, lobbed it up to Kyle Juszek for a nine yard gain, he was hit in the head. It was not a concussion test because the third party guy, was um out of the blue tent it looked like it was actually a shorter issue and then kyler murray just took like a massive nut shot and big time <laughs> big i mean time no good shot. no good but both returned and uh both finished the game in fact sam Darnold got to play for the final six minutes of this content falcons versus panthers don't like now don't let the panthers get hot <laughs> two wins in the season a nine to seven victory in a monsoon hayden winks Bryce Young, 18 of 24, 167 yards. Desmond Ritter, 12 of 20, 152 yards, one touchdown, and a brain-departing interception that really lost this one for the Falcons.
1: More people watched this show than showed up to this uh, game by tenfold. Uh, There was nobody there. There was rainy conditions. Neither offense was really trying all that hard. The Panthers had 26 first downs. They ran on six of them. The Falcons had 20 first downs. They ran, uh, or they passed on six of the 26, and then the Falcons five of the 20 were pass attempts. So it was run, 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 run. Let's get this game over. That's how games end. Nine to seven. Bryce, uh, he took a couple brutal sacks. Um, th- the offensive line was only cre- uh, credited with three pressures in this game. Bryce took three sacks in this one. I thought he was holding onto the ball a little bit. No really big time throws. D.J. Chark had a great uh, catch on the sideline. That was kind a big of, like, throw eight 18 yards something like that it was something it was,
0: it was a dot it was a dime
1: it was okay it was fair enough he had 3.3 seconds uh on his on on the, on his throws just because the falcons have nobody to rush the passer adam Thielen, he dropped a touchdown on a little sliding pass um chuba hubbard i mean the volume is completely there he almost scored a touchdown he gets stopped at the one yard line the one problem the panthers were actually kneeling the game out on the next play so he wasn't able to convert his goal line opportunity because the Falcon or the Falcons gave up the game losing field goal on the other side. What's new here? Desmond Ritter rolls out left. I mean, I'm still looking for who he was trying to throw this ball to right into a Panthers defender for his, uh, weekly, uh, interception in the red zone. Uh, Drake London, rainy conditions, Desmond Ritter doesn't matter. He just did not get the volume that he deserves. Kyle Pitts. uh, Nothing from him because it was Johnu Smith on another league play uh mm-hmm. where he busted a huge play down the sideline wide open. But I think for fantasy purposes, uh Bijan Robinson's like the only like must-start in this game. It was Tyler Algier early. And then later on, Bijan fumbles the ball. Even when they get down to the goal line, Cordero Patterson gets a design touchdown as well. So Bijan just not getting the volume that I guess that he deserves, but the fumble is not going to help the red zone touchdown or red zone interception from Desmond Ritter. That's not going to help, but neither team wanted to try to pass the ball in this one.
2: It's chef's kiss that Bijan was getting the volume heading into the fantasy playoffs. And now the first game for a lot of people, Arthur Smith just pulls the rug out from everyone.
0: he barely even played because fumbling inside your 25 yard line in mm-hmm. a game like this where the margins are so, so thin, like I think he was in there for Desmond Ritter's interception, but he was out there as like a wide receiver, as a pass catcher. And like I don't think he touched the ball after that. That's real yeah, bad. It,
1: but be- before the fumble, yeah, Tyler Algier had twice as many touchdowns as Beach. Totally. So it wasn't yeah. like he was benched for the fumble. The, the the fumble came after things were already abysmal.
0: Totally. Under Smith. Um Bryce Young, game-winning drive, starts on his five-yard line, five for five for 68 yards. There was some, I mean, Hayden, the conditions in this game were I mean, awful. Right. Yeah. And, you know, the fourth and sixth conversion, if that's Drake London or Kyle Pitts, Adam Thielen doesn't fall down short of it, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. If, if there's the third and four throwing a touchdown that Adam Thielen drops, if that's Drake London or Kyle Pitts, that's a touchdown, you know? So like at the very least leading a game winning drive in those conditions when, 51 of Desmonders 152 passing yards were on that league play to Johnny Smith. Like yeah.
1: it was nice to see We had like a little bit of a AB test because Bryce had all day to throw the entire game. There was no pressure at any point. If there was pressure, it was because Bryce was holding onto the ball. Obviously the wide receivers still bad, but the Falcons could not rush the passer and, That's what happened on the last drive.
2: Hubbard volume, as you mentioned, though, is interesting, especially this time of year, because now this is 22 carries, at least in three consecutive games. That's massive.
0: Yeah. And two things on that. This was like the worst possible matchup for someone like Miles Sanders, who loves to bounce everything. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you bounce it, you were just getting negative carries. Meanwhile, Chuba Hubbard had some real tough stuff between the tackles and there were some big games. And Gabe Jackson off the street starts here at right guard. And then it took the Panthers 14 weeks to have Amir Smith-Marset as their jet sweep (laughs) or reverse guy, because he was, you know, the only one with juice and it worked out on a few occasions. Giants versus saints. I mean, just when you fall in love with the storyline, Tommy DeVito goes 20 of 34 for 177 yards, they score just six points. And instead Derek Carr plays spoiler 23 of 28 218 three touchdowns, no Chris Olave, John Daigle, but they also improved to seven and seven on the year.
2: And unfortunately, whenever you have a great touchdown celebration, but you get sacked seven times, that means the defensive linemen seven times also get to do that celebration as you're just staring up at the top of the dome because DeVito was under siege all day long, under pressure on 37% of his dropbacks, did take those seven sacks, took a massive hit in the first half where he had to come out for a few possessions and get tested for a concussion, was able to return. But by that time, it was a completely different story for the Saints offense because the Giants defense, unlike Hal, they were able to get Jordan love off rhythm Monday night. It was not the case here for the saints offensive line and car Carr just stood back went 22 of 24 from a clean pocket for over 200 yards and all three of his touchdowns, no issues whatsoever for the saints offense today, where that's typically been the case in the past and why their fans are so pissed at them. I have nothing else.
0: Well, (laughs) there was a lot of like injury stuff heading into this one. We had a ton of questions in this on Sunday morning, like, I can't tell you how many Rashid Shaheed questions we got. (laughs) It was a ton. In the end, he gets three for 36. We also got a ton of Taysom Hill questions. And unfortunately, we've seen other games where he nears like 20 opportunities. And this one, it's one carry for one yard, one catch for four yards. What happened here, Daigle?
2: Honestly, I just think it was because the game got out of hand because Taysom Hill was even used early on in the first quarter on their first couple of drives. But overall, this was just Alvin Kamara and then Derek Carr being efficient, not getting volume, but getting it done with his three touchdowns to a random set of players, Juwan Johnson included. Even for the Saints, though, like Rashid Shaheed did lead their wide receivers, entire team actually, and routes run. But just the fact that they're getting everyone involved, including Lynn Bowden, it's just hard to expect a ceiling for anyone outside of Chris Olave and Alvin Kamara. And that's exactly what happened in this game.
1: Taysom Hill, only 12 snaps in this one. They found another 30-year-old tight end to get involved in the red zone. And that is Jimmy Graham <laughs> with what? Like, that's a third or fourth touchdown.
2: <laughs> and it's all inside the tin, as you said. They only use Jimmy Graham there. Otherwise, he just doesn't play at all.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, one final question about a tight end. How'd Darren Waller look in his return?
2: Did look good, and he was favored by DeVito. I wonder if DeVito plays next week as well, but Darren Waller came back practically as, although not a full-time player, because he ran around on roughly 50% of their dropbacks, and also remember, there's garbage time to think about as well, but still to be targeted and earn four catches or 40 yards on only 23 routes, that's pretty big. So if Waller is still going to hang around here while the Giants have, I believe they're, playoff scenario they're not out but they got bumped down to three percent so they're still playing for something if waller's going to hang around because the giants think they can compete then i think waller's pretty big deal moving forward honestly
0: commanders versus rams rams are one of those few teams that we can you know fall in love with and continue to believe in they're also seven and seven being the washington commanders 28 to 20 scoreboard sounds close we'll get into that later game not so close in fact just 13, nothing at halftime for the Rams. It should have been much larger. Uh, I would say Kyron Williams was a main factor in that a brutal fumble. He did score a touchdown in the first half on a third or fourth and goal. Also had another fumble later on Uh, to all of you that get frustrated when a head coach benches a player, when they fumble based on the odds uh, that is not Sean McVay. He gives Kyron Williams, 27 carries for 152 yards and one touchdown to go along with five catches (laughs) for three yards. So 32, Touches for a guy who fumbled twice. Um, again, 13 nothing. like I said, at halftime. And then like the barn doors come off because right after halftime, a 62-yard touchdown to Cooper Cup, wide open, wide open. He finishes the day eight for 111 and one score. And in fact, I think it goes up to 21-7 and then 28-7. to And at that point, after Sam Howell evaded a clean pocket, went to the right side, drifted, throws it off balance. Terry McLaurin tries to one-hand catch it, tipped up in the air, interception. Ron Rivera flat out benches him for Jacoby Brissett. And all Jacoby Brissett does is come in and go eight for 10, 124 yards, and two touchdowns. Hits an awesome downfield throw to Terry McLaurin for a score on the very next drive after nearly a three and out by the Rams. Hits Terry McLaurin for another downfield shot that goes all the way to the one-yard line. And then we get like true Riverbrook Ron fashion in like the worst way possible. They are first and goal from the one yard line with 447 to go. They finally score a touchdown with 146 to go. Um, What
1: happened there? That
0: was crazy. I mean, they had two, four sets of play series there and they just showed no urgency. They showed no pace and they felt like they had all the time in the world, even though they still needed to score another touchdown and get the ball back afterwards. And even when they did score, they didn't go for two. So Ron did not pass a test Shocking. of the math that we just saw this past <laughs> past week. And then, obviously, they lose 28-20 to 20 in the end. Uh, Ron Rivera's already said that his franchise quarterback, Sam Howell, is starting next week, even though he went 11-26 mm. for 102, one touchdown and one interception. And maybe I'm overreacting here. But how did set Brissett look calm and poised and just let it rip down the field to, whether it be Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, my ears are perked up and wondering why this guy through the roller coaster of Sam Howell season didn't get to see more playing time when there's actually a a maybe light in the tunnel for the season.
2: If you include the nullified catch on one of those two possessions, too, McLaurin was targeted on four of the Brissett's 11 attempts. So we finally got that juice because he was hanging around 45 receiving yards until Brissett came in. And then the lid popped off, and we're going to have to put it back on from Howell because that's four consecutive games now where Howell has just been lifeless. Everyone was getting by on his fantasy points because he was masking with those four rushing touchdowns, but it's not because he was scrambling. He was literally just falling forward like a Jake Browning from the one or two yard line. Uh, but now you see what happens whenever he doesn't score those rushing touchdowns. It's not pretty. I mean, Sam, howell
1: they can call him the franchise quarterback, but it's not with the decision makers that are going to be making that call. And they have the fourth overall pick uh, tentatively right now. So uh, they will be watching Jaden Daniels tape at the very <laughs> least, among other things. So Ron I- Rivera
0: I- won't. Uh, it'll be someone else yes um chris rodriguez had the most carries in this backfield i know a lot of people anticipated because brian robinson missed with a hamstring injury that this would just be antonio gibson's backfield we theorize it could be c rod because you know he is ron's guy they drafted him and i don't think antonio gibson basically played in the second half um make of that what you will uh and then the opposite end obviously puka nakua goes eight for five catches 50 yards Just missed, I think, like a 20-ish yard gain. He was, I think, his steady self. And then Demarcus Robinson, once again, as the third wide receiver, pops up with a fantastic catch uh, almost in the same out-breaking corner route that he did last week against the Ravens. And I just want to shout out Matthew Stafford. I know on the day, just 258 and two scores, 25 of 33. But early on, there was like this third and eight full field read in the face of duress, drops his arm angle. Once again, sidearm shot to Tyler Higby along the sideline. And the man is just throwing nerf, nerf balls out there and just playing the quarterback position at such a high level right now.
1: Over their last four games, uh, 37 points, 36 points, 31 points, 28 points. They entered this week with the second highest team total at 28 points. Next week, still at home, Monday night football, it looks like uh, against the Saints. Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, I know that they've dealt with injuries. I swear that that duo was this close to having an absolutely ridiculous year. But to close the stretch, Cooper Cup deserves to be ranked as a wide receiver one because Stafford's out of his
2: mind. Sea Rod doesn't get targets. That's the thing for Washington's backfield. But when you're having 10 carries, it it doesn't matter because, again, you're chipping away from a lot of touches that Gibson needs to get there. So it's just worrisome, even as a pass catching back. And for the Rams, I know everyone was also curious about Demarcus Robinson after he popped for double-digit targets last week. Still played in 11 personnel in this one, was their third wide receiver, but even so, three targets ends up getting there with a touchdown late.
0: And quickly in Washington's backfield, even Jonathan Williams was rotating in. So it's a three-person mm. backfield, not just a two-person backfield. And final thought on Washington. Uh they're a long snapper. His name is Cheese Man, literally on the back of his jersey. His last name is Cheese Man. Two of the worst snaps you'll see all season long.
2: Oh snaps.
0: The the first one ruined their punter Tressway. Uh it bounced about six times on the way back for him. And then he gets depleted. And then for another field goal or extra point later on, uh again, snaps it low. And I'm not sure. I think they traded up. Someone tweeted this. They traded up for this cheese man in the draft. <laughs>
1: Oh, the commanders (laughs) taking draft
0: picks. Really? (laughs) Okay. We have a few more, obviously, Thursday, Sunday, but we're all back here to uh, Saturday's game first. Vikings versus Bengals. And in a big boy spot, Jake freaking Browning in overtime, 27 to 24. And I don't know if you guys have seen the clips after this show, but Jake Browning is keeping the revenge game narrative alive for the next decade single-handedly, just over and over, mic'd up, NFL film style, saying you guys shouldn't cut me, it hurt bad, look what I do to you, 29-42, of 324, two scores and one interception.
2: 13 of 19 for 180 yards and two touchdowns from the fourth quarter on, including that beautiful catch and wherewithal to understand where you're at by T. Higgins in order to push this thing to overtime to begin with. Uh, it's a tough spot. The Vikings literally from week five on first in EPA per play first in EPA drop back have been an amazing defense. But the fact that the Bengals still got there in this one, you take this win and move on since you are battling for a playoff spot.
1: Yeah. Flores is the type of guy to absolutely put rookies or inexperienced quarterbacks into absolute mind pretzels. And Jake Browning was very poised in this one. Obviously uh, we have to monitor the situation with Jamar Chase, because that's going to take a lot of the yards after the catch appeal away. Yeah. It it sounds like it wasn't the worst case scenario. They're calling him day to day. Obviously the Bengals are very much in the playoff uh, hopes right now. So hopefully he's able to play, Uh, next week, but it was also, I mean, it's been months since we've seen T Higgins deliver in fantasy. So that was nice to see.
2: Higgins has played four career games without chase, not this year, but going back and he's averaged a 26.2% target share and 90 receiving yards. So he has stepped in when asked to, if chase is out.
0: On the opposite end, Nick Mullins, 26 to 33, 303, two scores, two INTs. Jordan Addison pops up for 37 yards touchdowns, six receptions, 111 yards, two touchdowns. Justin Jefferson, 7 for 84. T.J. Hawkinson, 6 for 63. I mean, 303 passing yards from a quarterback who had a back injury and in, injury reserve earlier in the season. To me, that shares off a bit of a Kevin oconnell esque here. It's, it's going to
2: still be hard to chase Jordan Addison, though, From oh, totally. based on how he got those touchdowns. An 18% target share, too, where at, at least Jefferson will still hammer with a 31.3% share.
0: But Addison, good at football, and sometimes Fair? that can break oh, models. Sure. Yeah. I also want to bring up Ty Chandler. I do too. And me back on August 25th. What if this year's Zay Jones isn't actually a wide receiver, but it's Ty Chandler. Fast forward week 15 of 2022. Zay Jones, 32 fantasy points week 15, 2023, Ty Chandler, 23 fantasy points. Just stay on the bench, Alexander Madison, and let Ty Chandler win some leagues here.
2: Since Madison left two weeks ago, Chandler has handled 32 of 35 running back carries. He's been in every down back. And as a super athlete, if Madison remains out, then you just keep on playing Chandler as a low end RB one.
1: He's got the size and the, 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 the speed to be a bell cow.
0: I might just pivot only doing this every single year. Just sleepers
1: videos for four months in a
0: row. (laughs) I called Zay Jones when getting mocked by, you know, the big fish for it. Then we get Ty Chandler, have to wait all season long. But all we care about is winning leagues, right? In week 15, 16, 17, all that matters. So we'll see. I I enjoy watching Ty Chandler play football. That's for sure. And Mm -hmm. just a preview out there. We will be covering Jake Browning this week on Scheme with Colt McCoy, seeing what actually is there. I mean, this is a guy who I think is on, what, his third or fourth NFL team has kind of been a journeyman. And here he is making noise. And we've seen some careers start, maybe stop but start at this point too. So it's, it's just fun to see new players making plays happen. And the Bengals are in the playoff hunt, man. They're eight and six right now. That eight defense, pretty iffy. he's suspected. And some DJ work. Reader might be missing. Yeah, for eight eight. that's not so going to help. A big one. That is not going to help. Steelers versus Colts. Also eight and six, the Indianapolis Colts, as they beat the lowly Pittsburgh Steelers. 30 to 13. gardner Minshew three touchdowns. Zach Moss exits. Hayden Winks, watching the Nutcracker. (laughs) Trey Sermon pops up, 17 carries for 88 yards. Never wrong, just a little bit early
1: with with Trey Sermon. We'll see with Zach Moss's injury, same forearm as the the injury earlier on. And then, obviously, Jonathan Taylor, this was kind of the timeline when they were expecting him. So we'll see if this was a one-game bump for Trey Sermon, but good to see uh, my my takes pay off in a big spot.
0: Hopefully, Michael Pittman is okay. Uh, that yeah. was a horrible hospital ball that Gardner Minshew threw directly into contact. Michael Pittman was going to have a day. Um, it ends up not being the case. Obviously, Zach Moss gets in there for his receiving touchdown. That's when his arm is hurt as well. Uh, it's also very cool to see DJ Montgomery, uh, another guy who was an undrafted free agent, also on his sixth team, second time with the Indianapolis Colts pop up here. Had some moves and shakes, two receptions, 48 yards, and a score. Um, and then on the Steelers end, the noise Nuts. is like picking up locally for like calling for Mike Tomlin's head, which is ridiculous to me. Like, allow the guy to have one losing season with a lot of stuff going wrong this year.
1: I mean, they're still seven and seven. With right. This offense. It's,
2: it's such a hard situation to analyze because he's both the. Uh, it's a double-edged sword, right? Because they're in purgatory because of him. Like, because he's so good, they can't become a winning organization because they're stuck in this nowhere land. Like, they need to tank. They need picks. They need better players. But instead, they're just stuck as this median team that doesn't have a chance even if they would make the playoffs. So, Tom really shouldn't go. He's an amazing coach. But also, they need an overhaul. They need something else
1: maybe like make an aggressive trade for like Justin Justin Fields, Fields. you sure. know, like yeah. let's spice it they up in a something different like way. That. I,
0: I think that that might be the best outlet for them. Now you obviously give up on what the 19th, the 16th overall pick that was, Kenny Pickett. That's totally fine. Right. But th- uh, to me and Justin Fields, I hide them all the time. He has his flaws, but very rarely is a quarterback like that going to be available for a trade in the off season with high variance can win you weeks can lose you weeks at time but has obvious strengths that you can build around and get him a play caller that accentuates those strengths and yeah Dago I'm totally with you because they continue to be around this 500 and if you don't do that then you're going to roll with Kenny Pickett again next year um that that is the shot that they should take this offseason 100%. Okay.
1: I'll tell you that the team that will trade for Justin Fields will be whoever signs Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. That's a
0: that's a good sign. It's a theory. Okay. One more Saturday game. Broncos versus Lions. Lions play at home. Ben Johnson is on one. Jared Goff was lights out for a five touchdown performance. 24 of 34, 278 yards. And shout out to Brad Holmes. Two draft picks this past year, first and second round. Jameer Gibbs, 11 carries, 100 yards, one score. Also in the receiving game, two catches, one touchdown. And Sam Laporta, five receptions, 56 yards, three scores. What studs, what a balanced team Ben Johnson, Jared Goff, and company have on the offensive side of the ball.
1: The Broncos defense still has issues, you know, defense up the middle. It was just time and time and time again.
2: It's definitely still good pieces in the secondary, but the Lions attack them exactly where they've struggled to cover. Uh, Like you said, over the middle to tight ends as their linebacker struggle in coverage and on the run because Jameer Gibbs was in a world of his own here. Dave Montgomery also gets 19 touches. I know it doesn't look as sexy in the box score compared to Gibbs, but overall it's just a, clockwork for both of them as they basically mirror one another every single week and opportunity.
0: Yeah. I mean, look at where all these touchdowns were thrown just over the middle of the field. Yeah. Over and over. Sam
2: Laporta bodying players.
0: How Sam Laporta moves. And look, we talked about with Trey McBride too. Let's give a little, maybe one minute to Sam Laporta here too. The way he is able to be too fast for linebackers, too big for safeties, or if you're a hybrid player, he's just too good for you. Um, He's already a featured player, you know, and It's important to have that because Amon Ross St. Brown is a really good slot player who obviously can create separation and sustain it. You're not going to get many game-breaking moments for a player like ARSB. He's super consistent, and even this week, nine targets, seven receptions, 112, and one score. But then you have these other pieces around it now. Again, Sam Laporta, he wins in multiple ways. They try to get Jameson Williams involved early and often, I felt, which to me sticks out. Cause they want to win the playoffs and be a bit more electric. And that's seven targets, four receptions for 47 yards. And I'm with you, Dago. Like I got a bunch of messages being like, man, Dave Montgomery lost me our week. And so on and so forth. It happens, man. 28 carries 185 yards, one score. He just didn't have touchdowns this week. And he said other weeks, We just had three touchdowns. It happens.
2: Saquon Barkley had five points today for people. It happens. Like absolutely. It happens. Yeah. It's funny. It was 19 touches. Leading the backfield. I mean, what do you want? He had 80 yards what do you and
1: want? two catches. I mean, were you guys, did did I miss, were people drafting David Montgomery eighth overall or was he an eighth <laughs> round pick? Uh,
0: The other part though, I think people got upset where I think Jameer Gibbs, one of his touchdowns was nine yard reception. The other one was a 12 yard run. And I think people just believe That Dave Montgomery needs to be in there no matter what inside the red zone. What I love from this backfield because both are good players Mm -hmm. is the trust now that Jameer Gibbs has earned when Dave Montgomery missed time because he didn't have that earlier in the season. When Dave Montgomery missed, then Jameer Gibbs got more of a workload and opportunities he wasn't seeing before. And now they probably are the best tandem in the league.
1: I would say so. Uh, You said you wanted to give Sam Laporta a minute. Most Half PPR points of a rookie tight end ever already wow. in a season. And there's games mm. remaining.
2: That first touchdown was all him, too. That was a broken tackle, uh, first or second, a stutter step on the sideline that looked like a Bijan stop and go, and then just bowling forward for the touchdown. All him, man.
0: You know, our, just think back to our pre draft videos on tight ends. And I was just looking at composite scores for athleticism. And if you hit, you know, a thousand yards, I know that's like a, a A big cutoff for tight ends. 85% of those just over the last, I think, 20 years have all been extreme athletes, right? I factor in athleticism more for certain positions than others. Obviously, pass rushers, definitely tight ends is one of those two because for you to have a ceiling at the position, you need to be just an outstanding tight end. Now, Trey McBride might throw that in my face because I can't remember exactly what his composite athletic profile was, but Sam LaPorta definitely was in comparison. And I think Michael Mayer is going to be a really solid player, but like Michael Mayer did not have that same athletic profile.
1: I think Trey McBride's a good athlete. He was a little undersized, but the same thing with LaPorta, like a little bit undersized, but I mean, these guys clearly are great movers. Yeah. Right.
0: Chiefs versus Patriots. I did not get eyes on this one. In the end, the Chiefs win 27 to 17. Big, big 13 points scored by the Chiefs in the second half here. Um, Rasheed Rice, nine for 91, one score. Clyde Rosellaire goes up and gets a touchdown reception to go along with a 48 yard catch. And then Hunter Henry, seven for 66 and one. I don't know. I mean, bo- obviously, both these teams are heading in opposite directions. And I'll need to watch this one back, but this doesn't instill like that much confidence in me for the Kansas City Chiefs right now.
1: Well, I mean, just with the big takeaway, I'm sure the same stat: Rasheed Rice, 42 of 45 in this one. And I haven't watched the entire game, but I saw some clips. And the clips, let me tell you, when the Chiefs are, have clips, they're not the good kinds. I saw Canary Tony drops. I saw Sky Moore fumbles. <laughs> I saw a lot of things. I also saw, like you said, Ch somehow jumping out of the gym, uh, defying uh, gravity. For a huge game and CEH, I mean, he was a league winner if, if for best ball type of guys late late in the, the draft as well. So, yeah, completely nutso game. Just Mahomes was frustrated at times throughout this game, so it didn't feel very pretty, but at least they got the ball moving with Rice.
2: It's also another single touch game, six touches for Jarrett McKinnon, but still gets there with a touchdown, um, which makes now two scores on 14 total touches the past two weeks. So just someone who's scary to start as they do continue to lean on C.E.H., but it does take, like you said, a big play, including a 60 yard catch as well for him to get there.
0: And my comment isn't about Patrick Holmes, like oh, of course. Patrick Holmes, obviously playing lights out trying to elevate this team as much as possible. And obviously this Patriots defense, despite how many pieces they are missing, is still playing at a really high level this year. But I just wonder in comparison to some of these other teams that the quarterback is playing well and the pieces that surrounding them are elite. If they have enough, even with this defense as better than we have seen in the past, if they have enough this year to be as contending as they obviously have been in recent Super Bowl winning season.
2: I'll talk about the Patriots. You can cut that out. Uh, Go ahead, Payton. I didn't have any other good notes for
1: for the Kansas either.
2: Go. And I know some people started Zeke. I think what you got is what you probably should have expected because even last week with that tear, it came through the air. It was still, he still averaged less than three yards per carry. And now it's the same thing again, but you still get your five catches from him.
0: Chargers versus Raiders. We'll close out with this Thursday night game as Las Vegas Raiders score 63 points on Brandon Saley's defense. And that was the last we have seen of Brandon Staley. He and GM Tom Telesco fired Uh, Hayden. I almost want to talk about where the chargers go from here Mm -hmm. more than this game. Perhaps obviously Mm -hmm. the chargers are $42 million at this moment over the cap heading into 2024. Now they have to cut their aging veteran players in order to get beyond that you have to i mean khalil mack joey bosa mike williams sebastian joseph day so on and so forth at least two maybe three of those players maybe all four get cut and if they do that they get 30 million dollars into the positive um some teams are in cap issue and cap hell and they can't even cut their aging players so to me that's a slight positive the charters, but at the same time, you still have to one get rid of your quote unquote star players, yeah, and just have to me the major reset this offseason. And that obviously has wasted the rookie contract of Justin Herbert. Mike
1: Williams will be cut, Joey Bosa will be cut, and then they'll try to trade Keenan Allen and Khalil Mack if they want to or need to with those two guys. But really, I mean Khalil Mack and Keenan Allen, even if they're here next year. They're into their 30s. I mean, things aren't going to get prettier for them. So there's two guys that you're building this team around. Obviously, Justin Herbert and then Rayshon Slater. Derwin James is not the same player. Can't rely on Quentin Johnson despite the first round pick. They have a guess depth at edge rusher with with Thule, But, I mean, they're starting from scratch. This is all Justin Herbert. And we're looking at 2025 here. Next year will not be pretty because they won't have anybody.
0: Okay. Can I... (laughs) I don't know if I totally agree with that because we have seen a team like the Houston Texans come in and change things in one offseason. Now, that is hitting the ground running, changing the culture immediately, and hitting on some either late round picks or some free agents that are playing at a very high level. It is doable. I'm seeing everyone doom and gloom. This is only going to happen in 2025. That is probably the most likely outcome, but I still think that this team can turn around. And I actually think Justin Herbert and plus Rayshon Slater makes this job. Much more attractive than people are giving it credit to.
2: I yeah, I think I it's a very appealing job. Like, Same. what do you want? What do you want whenever you take over an organization? A uh, face of a franchise quarterback and a star edge rusher. Joey Bosa only turns twenty nine. No, 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 he's done. Joey he's Bosa's gone. out of here. He's gone. You, you think he's
0: gone completely? Totally. I think he's get totally gone. Uh, I mean, Khalil, Khalil Mac as well. Yeah, Khalil okay. Mack is like thirty two or thirty three. Joey Bosa. I think they've reached the edge of the cliff. To me, it is a positive. That you're in a position that you can get rid of these players. And yeah, but, just they, but that's just to reset. get to like
1: $18 million. No, 30, and you're can get
0: they can get to 30 over but, the cap pretty easy. But
1: they don't have anybody else. That's my point. It's still an attractive job because they have Justin Herbert. But how did we get there in the oh. first place? We overrated an injured roster and in pretending that players like Derwin James and other superstars are superstars. They're not. Joey Bosa has been too injured, has not been the same player. They got a bounce back game or a season out of Khalil Mack. Keenan Allen's been very good. Is he a true, true number one wide receiver of elite players? No. Austin Eckler completely dusted as well. well so here,
0: here's, here's my pitch. Guys. Here's my pitch. On offense next year, right? Let's just look at one phase of the ball. On offense next year, you could easily have Justin Herbert, Rayshon Slater, Keenan Allen, Josh Palmer, and then Quentin Johnson.
1: A top five pick or something like that. And yeah. Quentin Johnson,
0: you know? Actually, to me, I am most defeated for this team for what Quentin Johnson is right now because you have zero expectations heading into next season versus if that was Jordan Addison versus if that was Zay Flowers because to me, you could win offensively somewhat like the Rams are doing right now with Rayshon Slater, Justin Herbert, and a trio of pass catchers you feel good about. But now, especially with Keenan Allen probably being his last year with the Chargers next season, And then Joshua Palmer needing a contract and he's just maybe above a guy and then believing Quentin Johnson has to emerge as the wide receiver one. That is concerning. So like the QJ pick on top of this is, I think, a big swing and a miss for the Staley Telesco connection.
2: Dean Spanos also has historically opened up his checkbook, even in recent years with the JC Jackson deal. I understand it didn't go well, but he still paid a cornerback 80 million, also acquiring Khalil Mack. So I think the fact that you have someone that also is willing to spend money, that's attractive.
1: I disagree with the Spanos thing. As somebody that collected paychecks from Mr. Dean Spanos,
0: (laughs) the payroll was was minimal down larger. Uh, So like, (laughs) I I think this is a perfect example of, because now that Sean McDermott is going to keep his job in Buffalo, right? Then like Ben Johnson is deciding between like this Chargers team and the Carolina Panthers and maybe a couple more, right? No doubt in my mind, David Tepper is going to offer Ben Johnson way more money than the Spanoses. You know, it's just up to Ben Johnson to make that decision here or there. And quickly On Brandon Staley, obviously he was coined a defensive genius, a defensive guru. We see, you know, this Vic Fangio style defense succeed at a high level, namely with Vic Fangio. And then we see you know, the Brian Flores slash Mike McDonald, very aggressive defenses succeed. And we also see other play callers who have worked for those guys also try to copy it. To me, you can hire a defensive coach. You just have to make sure that the play callers know what they're doing. And it's not just the system or the scheme. It's also the guy calling the plays. And to me, that's where it failed here with Brandon Stanley. Because this team just like forgot how to tackle for five straight seasons.
1: Yeah, they didn't develop any other young guys. The linebackers, Kenneth Murray, for example, didn't develop under Brandon Staley for years. The defensive tackles, they threw some cash at it. Didn't work. So even with Killamack, I mean, popping up for what? He's going to have 14 sacks this year. Right. If that didn't happen, I mean, this defense would have been a complete train wreck.
0: All right. Anything you want to say about the Vegas? I mean, we got Zamir White popping in here for the, the first time we've ever seen him start a game. 17 carries, 69 yards. And a score, Um, obviously, even Jacoby Myers gets in there for a score. A bunch of touchdowns were scored in this one.
2: And it wasn't just in garbage time. Even in the first half, eight carries to Amir Abdullah's four. So, sure, against the Chiefs front seven, that struggles against the run. If you want to run them out there, if Jacobs is out again, sure. They scored 63 points. we got to say something nice.
0: We do. We do. I mean, Antonio Pierce is playing his his way into the head coaching job here. I I think that's the biggest takeaway of this where it's not often that we see interim head coaches take on Was the last one, Freddie kitchens unless no, uh, uh,
2: no rich, rich Scalangelo
0: Scangrello. No, but he didn't get the the full-time gig. I'm saying interim head coach then getting the full-time gig. Was that Freddie kitchens?
2: I think so, yeah. And it's actually a what
0: can go wrong scenario <laughs> <when> that
2: happens. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: But it, th- this seems like a vibes based team, you know, and the vibes are incredibly high. Uh, we get cigars, everything after they win. Uh, Aiden O'Connell is going to be in the league for a very long time, you know? I-, I just wonder if they're also a team that either will start Aiden O'Connell next year or they try to make a splash with someone like Justin Fields. So, I hope Fields. um, we Don't expect Justin Herbert to play the rest of the season, do we?
1: No, he's done. No. IR.
0: Not, IR.
1: ADOS.
0: Okay. Chargers right now, eighth overall pick. So that's gonna be fascinating to watch. All right. That doesn't I'm excited for the offseason for a bunch of these teams because uh many of them are in transition. And we're gonna see some free agent names that aren't on there right now get cut. And you know, sometimes veterans who change teams, I'll offer him Mostert are exceptional, and then sometimes uh they Have already reached their peak and the team that let them go? No.
1: I have some good news for you, Josh. I have a column that has not been launched yet, but I got predictions on off-season cuts. Who's going to be on the roster for day's podcast coming soon?
0: Love that. Absolutely love that. All right. Digsy still is churning out the waiver content, I'm sure. Somehow. Over at four for four. So we know that you've made what your fancy semifinals. Would it be next week? Yep. Semifinals.
2: And the column now is basically becoming early rankings because even last week, like I wrote about Ty Chandler as my number one RV pickup on Monday. I had Samir White in there ahead of CEH and Jarrett McKinnon as well. Um, I'm just flipping matchups now for everyone since that's kind of the point of the season where we're at. So check it out if you want to know who to pick up and where to start already on a Monday. All right.
0: Again, Jake Browning, scheme this week. Hey, now we'll be back with stats versus film as well. And for all of you who have made it 120 minutes into this, be in the lookout for Christmas week. A little turn the page to draft prospects with Josh Norris and Colt McCoy Ooh. kicking it off with a little Drake May action. Can't wait to do that. All right. I'm Josh. It's always Josh. Up the boat. talk to us.